it seemed like the kind of opportunity you don't say no to. And so mm -hmm. I look back at that as one of the one of the most fun times of my life. It was a really good time. My name's Johnny Reinhardt, and I've lived in Southwest Michigan most of my life. It's such a wonderful community full of so many great things, but the best part is the people, families, history, and especially the stories that make it great. And with every story, you have to start somewhere. This is Start From The Beginning, stories from Southwest Michigan. Welcome to another episode of Start From The Beginning, and today my guest is Megan Francis, somebody that has done quite a lot, everything from blogging to writing articles and newspapers, magazines, uh, written books, and she's also a very successful podcaster, but her biggest accomplishment, having her face on the side of a van. I mean you know you've made it, right? Well, Megan and I have worked together. We've done a radio show and just had a lot of fun over the years doing a lot of different things. But there are still a lot of things that I don't know about her. So why don't we start from the beginning with Megan Francis. Well, hello there. Let me get this other thing here, right there. Oh, hey, Megan, how are you? Hey, Johnny, how are you doing, friend? I'm doing a fantastic. You know, you're somebody that I've been wanting to talk to for a little while, and I know that, yeah, we've we, we've had uh, a few conversations in, in once our or twice, time. maybe. It's been a uh, long time since we've been on the mic together. A long time. So I I'm, know. I know. It, it was a fun time, though, uh, and maybe yeah. sometime in the future something will happen again. But that's why we're doing this right now, um, because I'm just uh, I love having conversations with you about all kinds of different things. Uh, and yeah. that's what I love about this podcast is that it, it brings people that maybe I've been friends with or known for a while, worked with, or there's a lot of things that maybe I still don't know about them. And I still think we haven't fully cracked the surface of everything that I know about you. I wouldn't consider well, my even if you did most likely no one else heard it. So <laughs> now this is your opportunity, right? Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. You were born where up, up north, right? Up, up north. Um, I was born in Munising, Michigan. Um, many years ago now, four, four plus decades ago, and lived in the UP in Sault Ste. Marie until I was using for a bit, then Sault Ste. Marie until I was about 13, and then moved down state. And I graduated from Buchanan High School, um, and then wound up um, moving away and doing my thing for quite some time, and then came back to this area, Southwest Michigan, about 12, 13, no, like 13 years ago now, because I was pregnant with my daughter, who's 12. That's how I do it's mom math. That's how I remember everything. It's like, what stage of pregnancy was I in or how many kids did I have? And that's how I do the mental math and have lived here since I live in St. Joe and um, have this, I mean, what else do you want to know? There's like, we're starting at the very beginning. That's where I've lived. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> I, I love that you mentioned the mom math because honestly, yeah. that's how I do uh, my mom's birthday. When my mom's birthday is coming up, I, I know she's, she, I was born when she was 29, I guess, 29 and a half. So, okay. so, you know, every year, whatever age I'm at, I just add 30 and I know that that's what her age is going to be. That's good. Like, I like that you've got that. That's good math. Now, if she was like 33 years older than you or like 31 and a half, it would not be so easy. I no. know from experience. Yeah. And not good yeah. for any of my brothers because all my brothers are older than me and there's five of us. Right. And and so they, they're like, uh, I don't know how old mom is. <laughs> what, right. 
what's the math? So I have, so you know that I have five kids too. Um, and four of them were born in the fall and the other is a spring. So there's always one that's not, luckily all the four that are born together were like on even years. And then mm. the one that's in the spring is on the odd year. And it's not that I don't know when my kids were born. I totally do. But if you ask me at any given time, like in the middle of the fall season, how old are your kids? It takes me some time to put that together. My mom yeah. made the, uh, I don't know if this was a good idea or a bad idea, but my mom made it to where all of us are J names. So uh, every time she was trying to, get our attention. She just went through the entire list of names yeah. starting with J. Yeah. So. And honestly, that's kind of brilliant to have all J names. Cause then she could just stutter. Just have to get the name out. Either yeah. she was getting my name right. Or she was a good, uh, she was just going to rap or something. I don't know what was happening. Um, so you said you moved from the UP down to, to be yeah. Did you, is it because you had family down this way or just a new change. Of my scene. dad ended up moving down here. So actually when my dad and mom split up when I was like in my, I was pretty young, six or seven maybe. And he moved down here right away, mm -hmm. lived in Coloma for a little while on a blueberry farm, as I recall, and then lived in St. Joe for a while. So I spent summers here when I was really little. Um, that was when we would wear the blue Zinca uh, sunscreen on our noses. This was like in oh. the eighties. Okay. And you go to Outpost Sports and you would just, you'd buy it and you would just like have like stripes on your face. I remember that very clearly. It felt very glamorous to me down here because, you know, up north, we didn't have like sun or <laughs> beaches. It's beautiful up there, but it's different. And then my dad eventually ended up moving um, to Buchanan. And when mm -hmm. I was in high school, I moved in with him. So I lived, I went to high school in Buchanan. Um, so it was just like kind of following my dad there. And I liked it there a lot. Nice little town. Um, still friends with a lot of the same people that I went to high school with. So it was nice to come back and have that community. But then, you know, now we live in the big city of St. Joe, the, the booming metropolis, yeah. uh, comparatively speaking. And that's been really fun too. So um, yeah, I've been here in like 13 years. It's it's the longest I've ever lived in one place in my entire life, which is really kind of crazy. Yeah. So you, uh, what was middle school, high school Megan like? Middle school Megan was a mess. Middle school Megan was very awkward and I would try to make jokes and uh, they didn't always land. I like to think it was because my humor was very advanced. No one understood it. And so then it would fall flat and then I'd feel really dumb and my hair was really bad. Like uh, this was the time when all the girls wanted to have like the big spiky mm -hmm. thing yep. happening on their heads and I could just never get that to work. So that was not, it was pretty tragic socially for me till I was about in like 10th grade. And then I would say I was just kind of a goofball. Like I didn't take school very seriously. I really didn't take life very seriously. I liked what I did. You know, I liked what I liked. I loved my friend group. I had a great group of friends. Um, I loved doing musical theater. That was like a big passion of mine. Um, but I, w I wasn't like really studious. I think I just kind of came into my own where I was like, oh, if that, you know, Dork wants to make fun of me because he doesn't understand my joke. That's his problem, not my problem. So I had a lot of fun. Like, I think I found my people and we had a good time. That Maybe a little more fun than I should have had, but that's okay. <laughs> I know you can relate to that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and I, I used my sense of humor as sort of my, because I knew I could never win a fight. 
if mm-hmm. I got to fight with anybody. So I just used my my voice and my uh, sense of humor, I guess, to either d- deflate the situation in some way or. Mm-hmm. But just- sometimes if you ever accidentally escalate the situation, yeah. I found that sometimes my mouth would write large checks that oh, yeah. I was not in a position to defend. So or cash. <laughs> I, I knew that being friends with the uh, the teachers and administration was a was a good idea because they could mm-hmm. they'd bail me out if I felt like the the, the situation was getting a little too heated. Because um, you were a good kid, you were a nice boy. I was. The, I remember all, that. All the boys <laughs> in my family, they always said they're such nice boys. It's mm-hmm. like you don't even know. No, no, I know. You can just fly under the radar when you're friendly and cute and funny, but and so but it what, works sometimes. Then you graduated, and then where did you go from from there? Did you say I'm I'm getting out of town, or yeah? But it wasn't really like I mean, I really liked where I lived, and I didn't feel like a lot of kids, you know, at like 16, 17, they just want to get away, and I really didn't feel that way. Um, I went to college because all my friends were going to college, so I wound up at Western and had a great time. My roommate um, Jenna is now my sister in law, so that was cool. Like I got her to marry my brother, got to keep her. That was pretty nice, but really like college for me was just more fun. And it was really fun to, you know, once I got out of the town where I was so comfortable or mm-hmm. had become so comfortable, then it was really nice and cool to like branch out and see that there was all this big world out there and people that didn't look like me and people who were from different places. And um, I think that was very valuable. Um, I only made it like a couple of years and wound up dropping out. I really, school was great for me for the social aspect and like the learning about the world, but I had no idea what I really wanted to do in college. Um, yet I wasn't, I didn't really have any focus. So I did wind up moving around a lot. I had kids really young. Um, so my first was born when I was 20 and I lived in Nashville at the time and lived there for about a year and then lived in Lansing, Michigan area for about a year, lived in Minneapolis for a couple of years, lived in South Bend for a little bit then back to Lansing and then Chicago for a little bit. And then I came back here. So in the interim, I had a bunch of kids and um, have been all over the Midwest and in one other place besides the Midwest. And so I, I feel like I've gotten a great experience of living in big cities and small towns and all kinds of different areas. And it's nice to be just back in a place that feels like home. So you're like a gypsy. You just go from like place to yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> Was there but I ever, put those clothes behind me, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> was there ever a subject or in school that, because I, I know you said you didn't take things seriously, but was there yeah. a subject or thing in, in school, college or high school that you said, I think this is my, this is my thing. I like this. So I always loved creative writing and I liked my English classes a lot. Um, and I kind of thought that I would end up being like an English literature major, but I didn't really love... Um, what I found when I got into it was I really didn't love like having to dissect books and talk about symbolism and all that stuff. I just kind of wanted to read it and enjoy it. And I also really liked coming up with um, catchy things. Like I liked more of like the content creation and the news angle and like writing the stories. Um, I'm not sure if Mr. Wold is watching this from high school advanced comp, but it did all the that everyone attributed to like Ben Franklin and, mm. and fathers. I just wrote them. We weren't even paying attention. I was just like, thus saith I, blah, blah, blah. And then someone would be like, that's great. And then they would in their paper. And 
that was before the internet. Teachers had it much harder then. So anyway, um, I think just like coming up and creating things and just making them on my own was always what I was into, but it took me a really long time to figure out how to turn that into a job. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the writing papers, I, I cannot imagine what kids, how they do it these days. Cause yeah, you could, you could pretty much fake it and, and come up with yeah. something and uh, plagiarize and, and just pretty much copy everything. And, you know, some, some teachers might know if they had read it before, but now with, mm -hmm. they can pretty yeah. much scan your whole paper word yeah. for word into the internet and then it spits out anything that is plagiarized. So it's gotta be. I, mean, I wasn't even plagiarizing. I was just making it up. <laughs> so it's like, it's like a whole different class of, um, you know, stuff that would not fly today, probably. But yeah, you look at some of the stuff like, well, this happened. That's not as that doesn't look as cool. So we'll just right. uh, we'll just kind of change right. some some of that stuff. Yeah, I know Thomas Jefferson really said this, but you know what he should have said? It's this. it's an alternate universe. Well, exactly. it, it totally works. Um, so and that's the thing that you you grasped onto because yeah, you've you've written many things. If you've written books like any nonfiction. Or I mean, I guess any fiction books, because I know you said you really like the the news and the story of yeah. uh, you're creating. But did you do any like fiction of any kind? I have written so well. I've written so much unfinished fiction, but I've never finished a work of fiction that I that I can remember. Maybe a short story here or there, nothing like that. I did publish a lot, uh, several nonfiction books in my twenties. Um, I think I published them all by the time I was like thirty one or thirty two, thirty three. And when my last one came out and I have not written a book since, so it's been 10 years, which is crazy. But that was when I was doing a lot of writing about parenting. Mm. And it just so happened that I kind of became known as someone who wrote about parenting. And so I was just getting deals to do books about parenting topics. So I wrote, you know, one about taking care of yourself after a baby, one about how to ha raise a large family, one about how to be a happier mom. Um, and so that was like this little blip of time where I was really prolifically creating content because my career I actually started when I decided to get serious about having a real career. Um, I was a freelance writer. And so I was writing, this was, you know, before, this was way before social media mm -hmm. Blogs were a thing, but they weren't really things people were making money from. So I was doing a lot of um, writing articles for like print magazines. You remember those? Oh yeah. I've heard yeah. of them. Yeah. They, they still exist. And I still really love print magazines, but I know they've, it's a little bit of a different thing now, but so I would write articles they would be for magazines like parenting and good housekeeping and um, women's health and magazines like that. And I would talk about all kinds of stuff like, you know, how to get poop stains out of your baby's onesie or, you know, how to pick organic groceries. Like there was, it was just like um, all over the place. If there was an interesting story, I'd kind of follow it and pitch the story to the magazine. And that's how I made a living for quite some time. And then started blogging in mm -hmm. my in the late, like, I think I got really serious about that around 2007, 2008. And that a lovely little blip. I had a mom blog that I kept up and um, did really well. And then I started podcasting. So I started my first podcast in 2012. And the one that I'm best known for, the mom hour, I started in 2015 with my co-host, um, Sarah Powers, who you know, who lives in it's California. Been that so long. Wow. It's been six years. I know. I know we have more than 500 episodes now. It's crazy. I remember because uh, I helped uh, produce some of that stuff. I think yeah, you, did. you were our, our first editor. 
it was some of the it was like 200 or something like that i think was one of the last ones maybe yeah. I, number wise you worked on i mean it was yeah it's been pretty because we went from being weekly then we started adding more so yeah. now we do the weekly one plus like a couple extra a month plus a monthly interview so we've got like around eight episodes a month now so it's a lot wow. Wow. We'll talk more about that in in a minute, but go back to when you were, you're writing some of this stuff for these magazines and parenting. And did you kind of do the same sort of thing that you, you like to do when you were younger of sort of creating the whole story and kind of having fun with it? Because I know when some people read a lot of things in parenting magazines, it can get kind of boring or more of I'm talking at you like this is what you need to do yeah, as a like preachy or yeah um it definitely I would say there was definitely a time when it was um very like you really had to stick to their guidelines so you'd mm-hmm. really have to stick to whatever the magazine wanted you to do and how they wanted you to present something and what kind of interviews they want you to do and stuff like that and that was a great way to get my feet wet and get, you know, learn how to, how to interview. That was a really great skill to learn how to research because apparently I didn't learn that in high school because I was cheating the whole time. Um, <laughs> so it was really good to learn that skill, but then yeah. it did start to get a little stifling. And that's why I love blogging so much because I could be like, this is the angle I want to take. And I'm going to figure out how to like, um, like how to pursue stories I'm interested in and how to write about things I like to write about. And um, that was really freeing, I thought. So I really, really enjoyed that. And it, blogging was very, very different than writing for magazines. I do still occasionally write for publication, but usually when I do now, it's more like an opinion piece mm. or like a personal essay. So you still get to do some of that fun stuff. Um, so yeah. So so did I answer your question? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. There are no right answers. There are no wrong answers at all. <laughs> Uh, when did you uh, really realize that you were good at writing? I mean, was it the first paycheck or did someone else <laughs> say, hey, this is pretty good? Well, um, oh, that's a good question. Like the question is, did, did some, was there like some external thing that told yeah, me I was like good at what I did? Or, I think it was just to make money on this. Yeah. I think it was like, you know, you, you don't get your confidence in like one moment. It's not like one thing happens and suddenly I believe in myself and wow, I'm fantastic. I couldn't even bring myself to call myself a writer for like two years. It took me that long. I had to, and I don't, it's not like one day I said, well, now I have a byline in this magazine, ergo, Mm -hmm. I am a writer with a capital W. It was much more gradual and it was like, okay, so this story got some great feedback from my editor and wow, I, you know, I made a lot of money last year writing these stories and like, I keep doing, I'm pitching things and they're getting accepted and, and you just start to see, it's like that muscle memory it builds and that sure. confidence builds. And, and eventually you just go, Oh, this, I'm good at this. I'm like, I am capable. Um, this is something that I'm very competent at and it, it doesn't happen all at once. And there was there's never been for me like that one moment, something clicked that I can mm-hmm. think of. I'm sure there's, there's probably an exception, but I think it's more like lots of little moments that build up there. And, um, so probably by like my mid twenties, when I had, you know, I was pregnant with my third baby when I decided I didn't want to go back. At the time, I was working as an office an office manager in a small practice, like a medical practice, and I didn't want to go back there full time after he was born. And so I was like, well, what else can I do? And I thought, well, what if I just spent this whole pregnancy? I've always wanted to be a writer. So what if I just spent this whole pregnancy 
like really like all I would do at night is come home, you know, put the other kids to bed, eat a pint of blueberries and hammer out story ideas. And they were terrible at first, but you do that enough and then you start to get some success. And I never did have to go back to work full time after that. And that was like really exciting. Like, okay, so yeah. I did it. I'm making money. And, um, and you just build, you just kind of build from there. I don't know that there's ever been a moment where I've been like, wow, I'm really good at this, but I do have little moments all the time where I do, you feel that little boost of confidence mm -hmm. and competence. I'm pretty confident now. It took some yeah. time, but here I am in my forties and I got there finally. There's hope. And everybody <laughs> has their own style. So, I mean, it, right. there's different things. And I think people saw that, oh, this is a, a different perspective. And that's again, why right. how you guys uh, do your podcast of saying, you know, you're not experts or parents that bit, have right. been there. Yeah. You know, that's the tagline in the opening, but that's something that I think a lot of people will, will grasp onto is that they they're looking for, a different perspective or just say, I guess a more real perspective of somebody that's okay. They've gone through this stuff. They have no problem talking about something that the, you know, the, I guess uh, the poopy diapers and all the other things about uh, the messy right. part of parenting, I guess. Well, I am very good at being real about things. And so that I think is valuable and that's a strength. I mean, that's a, that's a skill to be able to take something that, a lot of people go through and then distill it down and make it feel personal and universal and also hopeful. Like it's hard, but it's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Is our other like tagline that we go back to again and again. And, and I believe that I believe that it's all going to be okay. So whatever you're dealing with right now, the people have been there yeah. and um, you're going to get through it and just. Absolutely. And, and now, okay. So now your oldest son is, older than what you were when you had your first child, correct? He's over, over 21, yeah. right? He was 23. Uh, it's crazy. I know. I know. <laughs> and he doesn't have, he doesn't have kids yet, right? So you're not a uh, grandma. No, I'm not a grandmama yet. I'm not ready to be a grandmama yet, but I do know that I could, I mean, biologically it could happen like sure. almost all of my kids could start cranking out kids right now. I don't want that right now, by the way, but I do know. <laughs> I'm not so naive as to know it couldn't happen. So, so what yeah. would you say? Uh, some uh, a lesson maybe that you've learned so far in life that you are now passing on to your kids, as you know, they're again like it, it could happen in any moment. They could start having kids and families of their own. So, what's something yeah. you've learned that you're passing on to them? So, I mean, there's so many. There's so many different things that I feel like I harp on all the time. But one of the things that I like to remind my kids about is that, well, two things. One is that they really get to write the stories of their lives. So um, I think sometimes we get so stuck in the idea that like, if you want to do this thing, you have to have this background. You have to come from this kind of family. You have to have these skills or this talent or, you know, this much money or whatever. And and I always like to say, like, you get to write the story of what your life is going to look like. And it, you don't have to wait for permission. And you don't necessarily have to have the same credentials as you think. I mean, to be a surgeon, yes, you do. Mm -hmm. But like, for the most part, most of the work that creative people do and you know, even people in technical fields and things like that, they get into them all kinds of ways that aren't really talked about. And the other thing I like to say all the time is people less smart than you do this all the time. And that's because that's something I tell myself all the time. Like, and that's something I started telling myself pretty early on when I look at someone and go, 
okay, I want something that that person has or has accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, they're not necessarily smarter than me or better than me or more talented than me. They probably worked really hard or um, they put in a lot of time or maybe there was an element of luck, but they're not inherently better just because they did this thing, which means I could do it too. And I think just like those two things together give you so much freedom to kind of invent whatever life it is you want or career that you want, maybe created out of nothing. I feel like I have just, you know, reinvention is a big theme for me and Mm -hmm. I've reinvented myself and my career a dozen times over and I don't intend to stop anytime soon. It's not like I went and got a four-year bachelor's degree in all of those things. I just figured out a way to make the thing I was doing, you know, kind of guide me into the next thing I was doing and the relationships that you make and the, um, and the, skills you learn and the experiences that you have just set you up. And I know, you know, that Johnny from where you've been, like you've jumped all over the place and a lot of it's people, it's relationships that you build and who you get to know and um, what you're willing to try and do. And so that bravery aspect is, I think bravery and hard work are way more important than almost anything else that um, may seem to like, I don't know, give you a leg up. Those other things can give you a leg up, but they can't get you all the way there. Yeah, sometimes you got to take that jump uh, to the next thing and, and be a little you may, you may be hesitant and scared about it at first. But you right. know, if you don't ever try, then you're never going to see what what could happen. Um, and so you did the you know, writing for print, you did the blogging, and then that sort of evolved into doing the podcast with Sarah, which uh, for somebody that, you know, many of us have had to be disconnected from people that yeah. you work with um you guys were doing that for a long time with your your podcast because yeah you're in southwest michigan she's in california so that yeah. remote uh learn remote conversations you guys were used to but so you were doing the blog and then that evolved into more of podcasting and things like that and you've been doing that for a number of years uh are you what do you see the world of, I guess, podcasting and then that whole just content creation? What do you think in your mind is next for for that world? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to know what the next big platform is going to be. I think, you know, uh, eight years ago, nine years ago now, I started podcasting because I liked to listen to podcasts, but nobody really listened to podcasts in 2012. And even, it was starting to become a thing, like people listen to or they might listen to like an NPR podcast or they might listen to a tech podcast, mm-hmm. but it was not nearly as popular as it is now. So I'm not sure about what, like who could have seen TikTok coming? I right. certainly didn't. Um, so I'm not sure about the exact platform, but what I do know is that people like good content. And there was um, there was a little window of time when the internet seemed to think you could game the system by just using a lot of keywords or like, getting people to share links and like that would do the job and all that's helpful. Like those things are, they're a good tool, but really people want to read and listen to things that they connect with um, that help them that are exciting to them, that are inspiring to them. Like you have to have that emotional connection and that's going to be the case. Like it could be a 15 second video or it could be an article that takes you 15 minutes to read, or it could be an hour and 15 minute long podcast that you listen to and during your commute or during your walk, the dog or whatever. 
but what are the things, what are the elements you boil all those things down to? And there's, it's got to connect with people and it's, and also there's lots of ways to take those different pieces and tie them all together. So I don't know exactly where things are going. I don't think, I don't think print is dead. I think print is sticking around. Mm -hmm. I think email is sticking around. I mean, there's been like a whole resurgence of people probably because of people being stuck at home, like yeah. wanting to read emails, uh, long form articles, podcasts, uh, and social. Like, I think as long as we don't get stuck like I don't ever want people to feel like they have to be on a screen all day long because that's no good but you find the thing that you like that you connect with and you're gonna find what you want in your people there and it's so niche now that's the other thing I think mm -hmm. that is incredibly um it's just increasing incredibly like the idea that you can find your little place to find out you know about like calico kittens who were born in Arizona I just made that up. I don't so you've listened to my podcast. Yeah, that's yours, right? Oh my gosh, I didn't know that was you. So, but like, if that's your thing, you can find a special, there's someone out there creating content for you, which is, that means you can create that content for someone else. If you want to do a TikTok of dogs born in Boston. Yeah. Also, I mean, there you go. I, mean, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> that was your next venture, right? <laughs> I, I was going to do it until you just said it. So I'm going to have to scratch that off of my list of possible TikToks. <laughs> now, you said 500 episodes so far of, of wow. the model. Yeah. Are you running out of things to talk about? Or you do you feel like this is it ever going to end? So here's the, th the funny thing about is it ever, <laughs> when is it over? Yeah. Um, the funny thing about doing it for so long is you really get amnesia. So sometimes Sarah and I will sit down to plan an episode and then we're like, does this feel really familiar? Mm -hmm. And then we go in our archives and realize that, yes, we've already talked about it. But the beauty is that we talked about it at a different time in our lives. So we talked about it when our kids were different ages. The audience listening, either they're the same audience and their kids were different ages, or it's a brand new audience because like, spoiler alert, people keep having babies. So yeah. the audience our parenting podcast changes pretty dramatically year after year. We're always bringing in new, there's all, you know, new audience member being mm -hmm. giving birth every day. And so um, people drop off, people come on. And so we're always kind of, we're reaching them a slightly different way. The story is different because we're different. And then the audience listening is different and they're in a different place. And the world we live in is different. Like just for the last year. And I mean, how long has it been since this pandemic started? Uh, like 18, 18 years. Yeah, 18 years. So the 18 years since the pandemic started, um, you know, people really needed content yeah. in a brand new way. They needed it differently, but they also had totally different needs. So when we talk about things now like play dates or um, grand, you know, grandparents and issues yeah. with that or like those now there's like a totally different vibe to those. And we try to keep it evergreen, but we can't ignore like what's going on in the world. So there is like, it's always fresh. So no, it really doesn't get as stale as you would think. Uh, one thing we are doing right now is hiring contributors who have younger kids. Cause I don't really want to talk about, you know, potty training when I'm 50 and sure. I don't even remember some of the stuff anymore. Like I look back to when I had, you know, my oldest or my youngest is 12. So when I look right. back to her being a baby, I'm like, there wasn't even social media yet. Really? I think I had a Facebook account and well, Twitter was very a thing, but yeah, new products and all kinds of different tactics yeah. and, and so oh. many things have changed. All the new books, all the new blogs, like all the new influencers. Like I, I don't keep up with that stuff. So we really need that young, fresh group of moms to come up behind us. So we're working on that now. I, I think we're both ready to start a slow, gradual process of 
moving into a different place in our career is not, we, we always want to like have a hand in the mom hour, but we don't need to be the voices behind the mic forever. So we're, we're working on that now. Are you going to do the grandma hour? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Cause I'm not a grandma, but maybe well, one day. Well, I started a new podcast last summer or last summer. Oh my goodness. It's still yeah. summer last spring called mm -hmm. mother of reinvention. And that was really meant to bridge that gap between like, I have little kids. Sure. Now I don't have little kids. I'm moving into my forties. My life is looking different. And so, you know, women go through so many things like in our late thirties and forties, um, there's career changes. People move, their kids get older, their kids move out, they get divorced, they get remarried. Like there's so much going on and mom podcasts tend to focus on kids and they don't really tackle a lot of those topics, especially for women who are maybe more in that like 40 ish range. So I started a podcast over the, uh, like, I think it launched in April and I'm about to start production on season two. So that'll, um, season two will drop in end of August. And so that's another way that I can just talk about things that are a little more relevant to what right. I'm going through and what I, what my life looks like right now, but it still has the mom focus. It's not, I'm not abandoning my identity mm -hmm. as a mom. 23 years, most of my life, like my entire adult life, I've been a mom. Um, and I had a lot of kids, so it really dominated my life for a long time, but it's just changing. And so I'm changing. And so my focus of what I'm creating content about is changing. Well, and the cool part is that you can maybe, because you know, you had guests on that, uh, on the mom hour, you still do. Yeah. Is that, it's almost like you could, you could talk to somebody that you talked to in the, you know, first 100 episodes and kind of yeah. see, where they are and where you are. And it adds a totally new perspective on, on where everybody is and how you're looking at life. And one thing I noticed you were doing, and I don't know if you still are rediscovering some of this stuff is weren't you looking for parenting books from like 50 to a hundred years yeah. ago? Well, I was, I did like a whole Instagram story because I yeah. found, I was at a place down in three Oaks. I can't remember the name of it. It's a little vintage place, like on the corner of, I think it's US 12 and whatever yeah. the main drag is through Three Oaks. And I went in there and they had all these old motherhood magazines from like 1907, 1908. I bought five or six of them and was just reading them. And I thought it was so fun because so much of the advice really, I mean, the writing is very different, but so much of the advice and the struggles the moms were going through were like kind of the same as now, just without the technology. And like the problems were a little different, but where they stemmed from was very similar, the things the mom struggled with. So I thought that was fascinating. And then we put out a call for other people to share like their um, old, you know, like advice from over the millennia. And mm -hmm. I think that's it's really fun to look back and see how we are very different, but there's still so much that's the same. And that hasn't changed about the experience of being a mom. And that's definitely true. You know, we were talking about like, leaning in on some of those old interviews that I did. Um, I did that for the first season of mother and reinvention. I think probably four or five of the interviews were from people I'd interviewed before for the mom hour. And it was really fun to talk about something besides, you know, we talked about parenting our kids, but it was like through a totally different lens. Um, there's people talking about travel and like their own books that they're writing and like this things that they're doing that don't reflect what their lives were like five years ago. They're very, very different. And that was really cool and fun. What's been the toughest part <clears throat> about being a mom? Oh my gosh. Well, if you asked me 10 years ago, I would have said like no sleep. And that is really not good. I mean, have you ever, what was the longest you've gone without sleep, Johnny? Uh, couple so when you brought home? 
I've had, yeah, I did. I just woke up from a nap, actually, uh, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's tough. Like that rule, it really changes, it alters your brain chemistry. Like you really yeah. get to a point where it's very hard to function. So that was really hard. Um, I think just though the the more overall thing that's been constant and is just now starting to ease up is just kind of feeling like, you know, no matter what you do, you're a little torn because if you're focusing on something for yourself, you know, you have to do that, but there's always this like mm -hmm. pull in the back of your mind, like maybe you should be doing something for your kids or maybe one of your kids is gonna call you and have a need. Um, and like setting those boundaries can be really hard and it's impossible when they're little. There are no boundaries, there's just kids and they're all over you and all of your time is given to them. And then learning how to like slowly start to create healthy boundaries as they get older and yeah. in a way that's like good for everybody is hard. And I think that's like the theme that probably carries through is like knowing what's the right, what's the right amount of control to have right now. And then what, how is that going to change in six months or a year? Like mm -hmm. when to step in and knowing when to back up. And now that I have a house, with several adolescents in it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Well, and, and you've learned uh, from your experience and, and I know from my, uh, my mom dealing with all of my brothers is that each kid is different and there's different personalities yeah. and I've had a chance to, to meet your kids and yeah, you're, they're all different. Uh, yeah. That's a challenge too, is that again, like what you do with the helping people and talking about parenting is that, it's a different perspective, not only for each parent, but it's a different tactic with each kid. Yeah. And so, once you get used to it and think like, oh, I've got this all figured out. The next kid is completely different. And they're like, oh man, I gotta start over. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember how to do this. So yeah. Right. Well, I, I will, I of course have to talk about myself because you know, I love to do that. Uh, is you and I had a chance to, to do a radio show for a little while. Uh, yeah. And, we had, a, you know, it went as far as we had our picture on a van, which on I think, van, man. I think at that point I knew, I don't know about you, but I knew that's I when you knew you were famous. Well, that's when people would take really embarrassing pictures of the van, like them posing with us on the van and like post them on Facebook and social media. That was a good time. Lanier's Johnny. That was so fun. Um, but yes, that was like, that was one of those things I fell into that I never in a million years would have thought. I'd be like a radio show host. Like that was not on my list, but it was also one of those things where it seemed like the kind of opportunity you don't say no to. And so mm -hmm. I look back at that was one of the, one of the most fun times of my life. It was a really good time. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was, it was great. And uh, I always enjoyed it. I knew from the beginning that it was like, Oh, well let's have a conversation. I love having mm -hmm. conversations with new people. And then uh, it, it just kind of went from there and uh, I enjoyed it as well. And so where do you go from here? What What is your, your plan for the the future, uh, whether near yeah. future or just that life goal that you have? Well, one thing I thought was really interesting about um, working for the radio station that I had not had a chance to do before I did that was, you know, I, I moved here when I was in the thick of motherhood. I was pregnant mm -hmm. with my fifth. I had a bunch of little kids at home. And so um, I didn't really get out into the community very much. And people didn't really, I kind of flew under the radar. Like people didn't, my my um, content that I was creating had nothing to do with this area. Sure. And so I was kind of at home cranking it out. But like if I saw someone on the school playground or something, they didn't know that's what I did. And 
they might even find out later, like, oh, I listened to your podcast and didn't even know or something, but there wasn't that personal connection. And one thing I really enjoyed about the radio station was getting to know the local community more, getting more invested there. So that's definitely something that I'm um, focused on right now. I'm working with the Southwest Michigan Regional Chamber, doing some content strategy for them. And that's been really fun because it allows me to go to all these places I'm going anyway. Like I'm going mm -hmm. out restaurants and going to stores and doing those things, but to connect with the people running those businesses. And I'm excited about how people are reinventing right now. I know it's been a really tough year and a half or 18 years yeah. or however long it's been since COVID started. But what I think is really exciting, even though it's been so hard, is to see how what people are doing as they come out creatively and thinking mm -hmm. about how it can shake things up and like, what will things look like? Like what new ideas are people going to have? And um, looking at how creative restaurants have been with staffing and like their menus, just, I think it's fascinating. And it, it really shows you how gritty people can be and how hard they can work to make things work. And, um, I wish sometimes customers were as, <laughs> as creative and flexible. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. And I guess that's a business owner's life. Um, so that's something that I'm like, I'm getting really inspired by that. And I think, well, mm -hmm. maybe one day I'd want to have like a, a, in real life business my whole life my whole adult life, almost all of the work I've done has been remote in some way. Sure. Even when I was working with you at the station, I was just talking with my voice. I wasn't like, I didn't have a product that I was selling. I wasn't sitting inside of a store talking to people face to face. Mm -hmm. So something like that really excites me like that idea, but I'm just taking it slow right now. Cause I don't know where the future is taking me. And right now I'm, I've got my hands full. I've got plenty going on. Definitely. What is uh, something that somebody may not know about you or really, I guess, should know about you? Well, I mean, I think the stuff that we've talked about today is some of it that I really don't think a lot of people knew. Like When I was on the air with you, it was always surprising to me how many people thought I had a radio background and that that was my main gig. Like they would that was the thing I locally became known for. And people would be like, Oh, so how long have you been in radio? And I'm like, uh, three months. I don't know. Since I yeah. started with Johnny, like, that's not my thing. I was always, I had these totally other things that I was doing. And I think I know that I did all things, but don't always know because it's been happening for all these years for one mm -hmm. thing. And secondly, unless you were, unless you knew me or had some reason to look up my career, I wasn't like, you know, a famous novelist or something. So I wasn't like a household name. So I think a lot of people just don't realize how much career trajectory has been like this up and down and how all over the place it's been and how many times I've shifted gears. And I think I like people to know that because I don't want people, especially younger people who are building their careers to ever think you have to get on this path and then just, I mean, that's not how it works for so many of us. And I personally feel like that way of life is probably pretty dead. Like, I think that's not the way careers are built anymore. That's not the way people do things anymore. You network, you, you jump when the, you know, when the opportunity is there, you strike when the iron's hot, we can come up with a million mm -hmm. metaphors, but like be, take advantage of those opportunities and be courageous. Like we said before, and don't be afraid to try new things and don't feel like you have to wait for permission or certification or qualification, just try it. Um, yeah. And if you still need a little more work or, you know, you need to learn more, you'll, you'll find out, but you'll yeah. never know if you don't try. So Definitely. that was a very, that was kind of a preachy way of saying, I wish more people knew how all over the place uh, my career has been and how many <laughs> other things I had going on at the same time, because it really shows sure. you how much you can really juggle when you, when you want to or have to. Well, and I think that, like you said about the sort of, you don't know what it's going to be like unless you try it. And I mean, that's something, right. I mean, uh, 
I always tell people, they're like, how long you been doing this? And I say, well, I've been talking since I was two. So, and then they started. <laughs> but no one paid you to, yeah. People started but paying no one paid me. you to talk until you're much older, right? So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's something that I always enjoy. And it's just like, like you said, is that, you know, I'm already going out in the community and doing things and talking to people and having great conversations. And sometimes I don't know when to shut up. So they just started saying, Hey, let's, let's record this and put this in front of you like, and, and all that. So uh, I'm he's still, gonna, he's going to talk anyway. So we may as well put him on the air. Just put him in a room, let him talk to himself and see what happens. And, and then but maybe it's not like when you, when you were a high school senior, it's not like your guidance counselor said, Hey, college program, people who like to talk a lot. Like you had to, figure out what that was going to be for you. And I think that's huh. the case for most of us. Yeah, absolutely. And it was something I just stumbled into. And it was another thing I just, when I was looking on the internet on the dial up, uh, it was something I stumbled upon and said, this is the thing for me. Um, but yeah. something I wanted to ask you, and I, I like to ask everybody this is, and you're a writer, blogger, mm -hmm actor we didn't get talking too much about musical theater but that's stuff we can talk about at another time yeah because uh, we know we both love musical theater and theater in general how um, come we haven't done a two-person show yet johnny let's put that on our calendars you know we need to find a good one for sure you had I, one picked out at one point i thought we were going to do with jocelyn and i don't know someone else three so. or four person thing or something but yeah, yeah. definitely uh we should uh, hit the stage together at some point but one thing i want to ask you is if you were to write uh, an autobiography, whether it be a book or maybe a, a play about you or something, what would you title? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So I knew you were going to ask me this question and this is one that kind of threw me. Um, I just keep coming back to it's all going to be okay. Or she kept trucking. <laughs> I don't know why. Because I, I think that's just the thing. Like just okay, this didn't work. She just kept trucking and that didn't work. And she just kept trucking. So something like that. Also, I think she kept, she kept trucking would be a great musical. Oh yeah. Like I can see like they've got the top hats and the canes oh, yeah. and like there's a whole big musical number. Um, I'm like in one of those like cardboard trucks, like driving it oh, yeah. across the stage. So. Choreography is already set for that. And we <laughs> already know the, the numbers. So we'll, we'll, that's what we'll do. She kept I'm 30 pages of the script right now, and I've already like slotted you as the leading man. So um. works for me. Thank you for listening to Start from the Beginning: Stories from Southwest Michigan. Special thanks to our guests for telling their stories. And if you have a story to tell, I'd love to hear more. Please reach out to me by emailing let's talk at wsjm.com. That's let's talk at wsjm.com. You can listen to this podcast and all the episodes wherever you like to listen to podcasts, and be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This is a Midwest Family Production. I'm Johnny Reinhardt. Join me next time for another great story on Start from the Beginning, stories from Southwest Michigan.